Okay, welcome to Object to This, an Ace Attorney fan cast. I'm Jesse, uh, the Blue Badger. This is Object to This, an Ace Attorney podcast. You're Jesse, also a Blue Badger? No, no, no. Okay, so this you'll get the hang of this. What you do is you say the first part, Object to This, an Ace Attorney fan cast, and then you say your name, not my name, your name, and an Ace Attorney character, like describe the character. So I say, this is a fan cast of Ace Attorney called Object to This. Close. <laughs> this is Object to Podcast, an Ace Attorney fan mast. You're getting there. Let's let's move on to the next part. Okay, your okay, name okay, okay. and then describe name, an Ace Attorney my character. My name is Mephany, and I like meth. No, you describe an Ace Attorney character. I wasn't describing myself. I don't like meth. But you've played Ace Attorney, yes? Describe play. How, why are you applying for this again? It sounded good to look on a resume. It sounded like it was a good resume booster. We'll come back to you. Okay, your turn now. This is... Objective Fancast, a Hannibal Lecter podcast? No. No. The, oh, this is the supernatural one. I'm so sorry. <laughs> this isn't working. This is Objective Espion. Supernatural Fancast. I'm Schmidt <laughs> This isn't working. Okay, I, I think I'm done with auditions for the day. Uh, I'll, I'll call you guys. I'll call you. Uh, thank, thank you. Thank you. We appreciate your time. It's been lovely. Yeah. Can we insert, like, phone pushing numbers <laughs> at this point? Beep, boop, beep, boop, beep. Hey, hey, Stephanie. Hello. Uh, this isn't Stephanie. Uh, this is her friend, but I can go get her real quick. Yeah. Hey, Stephanie, can you stop hanging out with the president and, like, answer this phone call? I'll be right there. All right, she'll be right there. Hello, Stephanie. Hey, Stephanie, it's Jesse. Uh, uh, hi, Jesse. Are you calling from your bedroom? Because we live in the same apartment. <laughs> no, I'm calling from the kitchen. Oh, good, because I wasn't in my room, because I'm hanging out with the president, you see. Sure. So, you know how Michelle fired you from the fan cast and stuff? Um, hold on a second. Michelle, Jesse's on the phone. <laughs> what? She's she's mentioning how you fired me? I don't remember that. That didn't happen. I she didn't fired think so. us. I would never fire you. Yeah. Um, what about it? Yeah, I've been having some auditions for replacements. You've it, been trying to replace me on my own podcast? Yes. Well, it, that's nice. It hasn't been working out very well. Do, do you think you could come back for the holiday special? I don't know. I mean... You know how I feel. Hey, 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 give me the phone. Okay, hold on. We don't do holiday employment. And by we, I mean Stephanie. This is her friend. That's not <laughs> Michelle. We don't do holidays. You have to hire us full-time, or fuck you. <laughs> yeah, uh, this, is, this isn't this is Michelle. I don't talk to her anymore. This is... I am <laughs> President Hillary Clinton. Look for the headlines tomorrow. Um, I'll hire you. No pay. No time off. You still have to write everything for the holiday special? Please hold. So what you say? No pay, no time off. We have to write everything for the holiday special. So essentially we're saving money on this because she's <laughs> going to pay bandwidth costs. I like this. All right. You guys also have to pay bandwidth. We have to pay bandwidth. Oh. If it helps. I'm beep! Fuck you, that's a secret. <laughs> national security reasons. I'm going to beep that. <laughs> that's a national security secret. Um, so pretty same, much... Same old, same old. Same old, same old? Well, that means we don't have to sit here in my closet in my bedroom trying to record a secret episode so Jesse doesn't know again. Yeah, but it sounds like she didn't find out about the secret episode, so... But, but we usually need a third person. Alright, it's fine. Alright, I'll put Stephanie back on. This, is, this has been Hillary Clinton. <laughs> Thanks, Hillary. Thanks. <laughs> so, I mean, I guess we'll do it. I mean, we're, yeah, we're just, we'll do, well, yeah, I guess we can just try out this Christmas thing and see how, 
how the team gets back together, you know, how that works. Great. Uh, I need the scripts by five minutes from now. Um, please hold. We really need to not tell her we've had them done for a week. <laughs> we just really... Okay. Tell her what she owes us. You're gonna owe us big time. Like, big time. I, I can work with that. Also, I don't know if I've made this clear. My friend, Hillary, President Hillary Clinton, is going to be our, my new co-host. Okay. Unless you get me is back. Is it free? <laughs> Tell her to get me back. Oh, wait. I'm sorry. Hold on. Wait. So, Michelle, because I know you're... <laughs> it wasn't really <laughs> President Hillary Clinton. It was really me. God damn, you're good at this voice acting shit. All I right. know. God damn. Gotta be good. All right. Um... Hillary Clinton just told me she's too busy because she's being president now. Look for the headlines tomorrow. Um, but Michelle is open. That's fine. Just need more people. Okay. Well, we'll be right there. Hi, Jesse. Hang up noise. <laughs> no, no. Hi, Jesse. Hi. We've been here the whole time. What? Not in my closet. <laughs> we came out of Stephanie's closet. Why are you in her room? We did not come out of my closet together. <laughs> or did we? Anyway, why are you standing outside of my closet, Jesse? They record the podcast in your room. You know my room's too echoey. That's true. Um, so we have the we we were able to scrape together something for scripts. Sweet, I did one too. <laughs> you did? Yeah, I can go first. No, you can't. There's a continuity error if you go first. Oh, right, because because huh? Stephanie said a thing. So no, you can't go first. You hired us back. You get this. This is what you got. Alright, well now that I'm back on the show, we're gonna do it my way. Subject to this, an Ace Attorney fancast. I'm Stephanie, rehired. I'm Michelle, Schmitschmel. <laughs> I'm Jesse. This is on a trial basis. Okay. Well, I mean, we have some scripts we threw together, so I mean, we can read you one first, and then you know, take it from there. See how see how that goes. Okay. Twas the night before Christmas when all through the agency, not a creature was stirring, not even young Trucy. Her top hat was placed on the piano with care in hopes that St. Nicholas soon would be there. She was nestled up all snug in her bed while ideas for new magic tricks danced through her head. Mr. Hat was close by, put away for the night. In a new Christmas cape, he was a very festive sight. When out in the front room there arose such a clatter, Trucy sprang from her bed to see what was the matter. Away to the door she flew like a flash and quietly peeked out at what caused such a crash. Charlie was decorated, quite shiny and bright. He dotted the room with a colorful light. And what did she see as she peered, but a man in the room with a snowy white beard? He wore a gray hoodie and was not very fat, and his hair looked a tad spiky under his red and white hat. But it hardly mattered that he was not very thick. She knew with no doubt that it must be St. Nick. He stood fumbling with gifts in the living room clutter. When he saw Trucy step out, he started to stutter. Um, uh, so sorry about the noise when I dropped all this stuff. These apartments without chimneys can sometimes be tough. And seeing her face all lit up with glee, he added, Since you're awake, would you like to help me? Together they gathered the gifts from the ground and placed them by Charlie in a colorful mound. They filled her small top hat with handfuls of sweets, and Daddy's hat too they filled full of treats. Finally, Santa's cookies left out on a plate. With the job well done, they sat down and ate. Young Trucy asked, Where was Santa's suit? He said, I don't need that big coat for this warm part of my route. And the reindeer, he added, were terribly shy, but he assured her that Rudolph and Blitzen said hi. Soon it was time for St. Nick to leave, as he had much more to do on that Christmas Eve. She promised no presents till after sunrise. He tucked her back into the bed, and they said their goodbyes. You're such a good girl, he said as she hugged him tight, and he closed her door with one final good night. She smiled, after all. A magician can see through any trick, and Trucy fell asleep glad for her daddy, St. Nick. Are you crying? <laughs> no. <laughs> just a little misty-eyed. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I'm just a little misty. I cried when I read it the first time. That's different, though. This is really upsetting when you cried. What do you mean, read it the first time? You just wrote that. I mean, like, I, you know, we proofread it. Kind of. 
proofread? What is proofread? Jesse, we have a secret. Hillary Clinton gave us a time machine. Sweet. She said, buy this. <laughs> can I get one? Fuck, she bought this. <laughs> no, you can, no. We had to give it back. Oh. Man. But we had it long enough to write everything. Okay. We used that power <laughs> for good. Okay, yes. I'll go with that. Okay, we need a new story. Okay, well, I I got one. Do you? Um, have you ever heard of a little show known as the Steel Samurai? <gasps> Ooh. Sugoi! I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> Alright, well, here, here, here. I'm gonna read to you, alright? It is Christmas Eve at the Faye and Co. Law Office, where me and Phoenix gather in the city room to decorate Charlie in preparation for the night's festivities. Once finished, they send for all their past clients and friends who stand in awe of the tree sparkling with lights and decorations. It does not take long for the festivities to commence, where grape juice is poured, magic is performed, and poker is played. The presents are distributed to all who are there. Phoenix gave Edgeworth some badge polish, Gumshoe gave Maggie some weenies, Pearl gave Nick a slap to the face, while Larry tried to give Franzi a self-portrait. During the exchanges, the door suddenly opens, and in walks Godot. He sits down on the couch and smiles into his mug. The children approach him and slowly wonder why jazz music was suddenly filling the air. Godot pulls out presents as if from thin air, which sparks the amazement to all the little ones there. For Pearl a new ball, for Emma's science kit, Missile got a bone, and Cody a jammy ninja guitar. Last, for Maya, he retrieves a steel samurai figurine, and it lights her eyes aglow, as well as a certain other adults in the room. Maya holds the doll gently, as if not to disturb him, as she walks off to sit by Charlie. Cody's envy was apparent immediately, and in his huff he took the figurine from Maya and threw it. The figurine hits the floor as Maya yelps. She runs to rescue her doll, but the samurai's arm was dangling off when she got there. Her eyes filled with tears as Petty runs over to apologize for her charge. But the damage is done, and the Christmas spell is broken. Mia calls it a night, and they all file out, saying heartfelt goodbyes and tidings of Merry Christmas. The lights are turned off, and the Fays went to bed. Maya is unable to sleep as she thinks about her poor samurai, still sitting under the tree with his arm in such a state. She rises and tiptoes down the stairs, and sees the lights twinkle in the dark. Next to the twinkle of Charlie, she can see a faint red glow, Godot, with her beloved steel samurai, just like new! Godot hands the fixed doll to her and explains that he used his laser vision to fix it, and Maya could have sworn he winked, but just like that, the red fades from her sight, and all that is left is her and her doll. Maya blinks and searches the room, but sees no trace of Godot. She shrugs it off and lays it on the floor with her steel samurai, transfixed by his shiny exterior. It happens suddenly, a rustling across the floor. Maya looks around and sees moving shadows swiftly across the floor towards her. She tries to rise in her panic, but she finds she cannot move. Then right before her eyes, the steel samurai starts to glow. Like magic, he appears tall and is twirling his legendary samurai spear in the air. He shoves her back to protect her, for they are surrounded by the evil magistrate's henchmen, and it seems like a desperate struggle. They are surrounded, but with his killer samurai moves, he finishes most of them off. Maya, no longer paralyzed, decides she cannot just sit back and watch. She realizes Cody left his guitar behind, so she picks it up, hoping she could use it to join the battle. Maya figured she could at least get one good hit out of the guitar, when it turns out the neck of the guitar slides out of the body and reveals a sword. Maya smirks and begins to slash away. They fight the noble fight, taking down many henchmen until the main man himself shows up. The evil magistrate! Maya notes to herself that he looks a little like Mr. Edgeworth, but she pushes the thought aside and instead thrusts her saber straight ahead towards the magistrate. He laughs his sinister laugh, and luckily for her, he falls for her faint. Maya ducks down while the steel samurai launches off her back. He thrusts his spear of justice straight into the heart of the evil magistrate. The magistrate lets out an evil sound, something between an arg and a naug, and falls to the floor without any of the grace the steel samurai exhibits. We did it, Maya yells, jumping up and down in glee. The steel samurai nods in approval. The samurai indicates for Maya to follow him, and off they go to the land of Neo-Old Tokyo. Maya looks around with amazement in her eyes at the buildings and the people all cheering for them. They scream their thanks and shower them with cherry blossoms from above. Maya's face alights with joy, all these people thanking her for bringing their samurai back to them. The duo head straight for the largest establishment in Neo-Old Tokyo, the Platinum Palace. The grandiose palace sits high upon a hill in the town, shimmering beautifully in the sunlight. 
The palace looks as if it's straight out of the show to Maya, with its mercury ponds full of golden fish, the guards in clanking tin. Almost everything seems finished in a spotless chrome. The steel samurai leads Maya to the emperor himself, Emperor Tungsten. He sits regally in his throne of cobalt and jewels, with Empress Silver sitting serenely at his side. The steel samurai recounts all of his tales to the emperor and empress, and they beam proudly at Maya's bravery. The emperor rises and asks Maya for her sword. She hesitantly hands it over to him, and with a flick of his wrist she feels herself transform. Maya looks and she has become covered head to toe in pink armor. From now on you will be known as the Pink Princess, warrior of little old Tokyo, protector of the people, righter of wrongs. Maya beams back, claps her hands together, and eagerly nods her head in agreement. The steel samurai claps her on her back, and the empress rises to announce the party that will be held in their honor. The party begins in the grand ballroom, with sweets from all around the world. Chocolates, coffee, teas, noodles, warm milk and gravy. There's a separate table dedicated entirely to burgers, which Maya does not stray far from. Her head is spinning with all the excitement, and her steel samurai never leaves her side as person after person comes to congratulate them on destroying the evil magistrate. They continue to call for a reenactment and demonstrations, which they are happy to oblige. The night draws on and the final dance approaches. The steel samurai turns to Maya, and she is thankful for her already pink armor, so the steel samurai cannot see how badly she is blushing when he holds out his hand to bring her to the center of the dance floor. Together, they dance the robot in perfect sync, and the entire room cheers them on until the end of the dance, and for a while after. The steel samurai leads Maya outside so that they may depart for little old Tokyo, but as Maya starts to walk, her foot catches, and she starts to fall. Maya wakes with a start. She sits up and rubs her eyes, seeing the Fei and Co. office looking as it did just hours before. Leftover wrapping paper is scattered on the floor, cups strewn about, and Charlie's light sparkles softly in the night. Maya reaches out and picks up her steel samurai doll, and examines the arm. It is still intact. She wonders how much of what happened was a dream. And it all felt so real, but it seems so unrealistic. She feels a chill down her spine and rises to return to her room. As she turns to leave, with visions of hamburger tables still dancing in her head, she glances at Cody's guitar. It's still there and whole, but she spies a cherry blossom petal resting on the neck, and she wonders what adventures will happen next as she returns to her bed. Stephanie, oh, that was thanks. the most meta thing I've ever heard in my <laughs> fucking life. What do you mean meta? <laughs> you just wrote Maya fan fiction about the Nutcracker, but it's also a self-insert Steel Samurai Nutcracker crossover fan fiction, <laughs> which we're going to do on our fan cast for Ace Attorney. Most meta <laughs> thing um, ever. It wasn't on purpose. Kiddo's my favorite. Oh yeah, well, <laughs> when is Kiddo not our favorite? It fixes stuff. When is that not canon? Also, I liked Edgeworth as the evil magistrate. Yeah, well, it was... <laughs> Edgeworth it's because, reprising his role as evil. <laughs> yeah, well, he's reprising his role as evil because he has that neck tattoo, so that's what Maya was aware of, so she dreamed it. Or did she? Or didn't she? Or didn't she? Or did Inception. she? Inception! <laughs> <laughs> Remember when we used to do that all the time? All we did was we need to go deeper. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, good, good, time. times. Good, good times. Good times. Good times. My name is Mishmel. How come you can't get this right? Because you have to say it with an accent that I can't pronounce. Wait a minute. Weren't you the ones auditioning? Um, new story. New story. Do you have a song or something? Quick, play something. Yeah, new song. really can't stay but edgy it's cold outside we live in la but edgy it's cold outside your info has been i'm so glad that you dropped in useless at best don't you leave now you'll catch your death detective gum shoe will worry beautiful Enough with your inane rambling. Oh, don't be silly, my darling. 
If you please, I'm in a hurry. Dear, no need to worry. I've really got to get back to work. Stop, you tease. Just look at this smirk. My patience, it wanes. It is bad out there. You must be insane. Can't even see out there. I wish I knew how. Cuddle up close to me I now. I wound up here. Oh, never you mind, my dear. I've had quite enough nonsense. Oh, I'm in suspense. This has been a huge waste of my time. Don't act like our love is a crime. I really can't stay. Edgy, don't hold out. Oh, what is cold outside? I simply must go. Edgy, it's cold outside. The answer is no. Edgy, it's cold outside. Your answers have been... What a romantic display. You're impossible. Don't be so coy now, beautiful. You're acting beyond suspicious. Gosh, your lips look delicious. Have you lost your mind? Waves upon a tropical shore. What? It doesn't even make sense. Oh, your lips are delicious. Get away from me. Never such a blizzard before. Get out of my way. Edgy, you'll freeze out there. This is false imprisonment. It's up to your knees out there. I'll have charges brought against you. I threw when you touched my hand. Do, do you even hear yourself? How can you do this thing to me? That's quite enough. Think of my lifelong sorrow. What are you... No, you're beyond reason. If you cut pneumonia and I... Goodbye. Get over that hole out. Help me, please, anyone. Oh. No! Edgeworth was starting to think that it would have been better if he had shot his father, or at least if he had been found guilty for it. Now Edgeworth had to live with the lesson he learned from Wright. The law was about truth, not winning. Everything he had learned and practiced since joining the Von Karma household had been a horrifying, disfigured lie which he had let himself believe. Now he was just... lost. He wrote the note, Prosecutor Miles Edgeworth chooses death, left it somewhere conspicuous, didn't look back. He wanted to tell himself that it was a sudden choice, spur of the moment, but that too was a lie. He had been drafting the note since before the SL-9 incident was resolved, draft after draft after draft after draft, until it was short, sweet, and simple, until it was perfect. No more lies, that's what Wright had taught Edgeworth. No lies, truth, nothing else mattered. It was impossible. He couldn't do it. He couldn't fix everything he had done wrong. He couldn't be as good of a person as Wright. He just couldn't. It was dark. Edgeworth drove. Much later, he stood on one of the walkways of the Golden Gate Bridge. He shouldn't have been there. The bridge was closed to pedestrians at night. Cars rushed past behind him as he looked out into the darkness at the straight. He almost couldn't hear anything through the numbness in his head. It'd be easy. He already wrote the note. He hadn't meant for that. But it certainly would seem that way in the end, wouldn't it? Or had he meant it? With everything his life had been and how unattainable everything now seemed, he wasn't sure what he meant anymore. Certainly nothing was stopping him, not the paltry barrier, which was all that stood in his way. His coat whipped violently in the winter breeze. "'You shouldn't be here,' came a cool voice from his left. Mia Fey stood beside him, leaning on the barrier and looking out at the water. His answer took much longer than either of them expected. 
You wouldn't have been my first choice for pre-death hallucinations, he huffed. Are you always like this, or is it only when talking to the defense attorneys? What are you supposed to be, then? My guardian angel? The ghost of Christmas past? Of course not, Edgeworth. I'm trying to help you. Oh, help me? But won't Wright be lonely without you hovering over his shoulder? Edgeworth prodded, with much more bitterness in his voice than he intended. Why are you here, Edgeworth? I don't know, he sighed. Not much of an opening statement, prosecutor. He shot her one of his famous glares, but she remained unfazed, just as he remembered her in court. You know very well why I'm here. I've destroyed people's lives. I've been terrible in the name of what is good and just. Even if, even if I can change now, I can't undo all of that. So you think killing yourself will make everything better, hmm? No, I suppose you're right. I think it would probably be much better if I had never been born. What was that? Mia asked, surprise evident on her face. I said, I wish I had never been born, Edgeworth said with all of the forcefulness of years of trial experience behind his voice. Now why don't you go haunt someone else? You don't know how much you've done. This is not good at all, Mia said with a look of troubled determination Edgeworth was used to seeing on her and her protege's face. After a moment, it was replaced with a look of confusion, as her eyes focused on something past Edgeworth. Oh, wait a minute. You think so? Edgeworth looked behind him, but nothing was there, except an empty walkway and cars rushing past on the bridge. Well, he's your... All right, it might work. Okay, Edgeworth, you got your wish. You were never born. What? he asked, looking over his shoulder one more time. There was still nothing there. Are you insane? It's what you wanted, isn't it? Well, you got your wish. You don't exist anymore. No more crippling moral quandary. You're free. This is preposterous. First, you appear out of nowhere. Now this? Edgeworth sneered and walked past her, towards where he'd parked his car. His mental state must have been much worse than he had previously thought, which was saying something. If you don't believe me, ask him. Mia said, pointing towards a large figure in a long coat with a flashlight walking towards Edgeworth on the walkway. Hey, you shouldn't be here, the figure said when he was in earshot. Even though Edgeworth couldn't see him because of the bright light, the man's voice was unmistakable. Detective Gumshoe, thank goodness, Edgeworth began. Ah, uh, pal, I don't know how you found out about that, but do me a favor and don't rub it in, Gumshoe said sadly. Gumshoe, I'm often impressed by how baffling you can be, but you may have just outdone yourself. Oh, so it's not just defense attorneys, Mia muttered from behind him. Uh, I don't know who you are, pal, or how you got my name, but I was only a detective for one week. The bridge is closed, so you three are going to have to go. A week? But what happened? Oh, pal, I really don't like talking about it, Gumshoe said quietly. I'm sorry, Mr. Gumshoe. My cousin's here is off his meds, and he's giving us trouble. I think if you tell him what happened to you, he'll let me get him off your bridge. Gumshoe sighed, but nodded. On my last day as detective, Prosecutor Faraday was murdered. I was watching the hallway, so I got canned. Now I work here on the bridge for the Transit Authority. Good enough, pal? What happened to the girl? Edgeworth asked in a bit of a desperate rush to keep Gumshoe talking as they were being ushered off the bridge. The Faraday girl. They pegged her for it. Her only alibi was that she was with me, but no one believed me against Prosecutor Von Karma's evidence. They found her guilty, pal. I never heard what her sentence was, but I never saw her again. She was ten. Gumshoe was near tears. Edgeworth had never heard him sound so sad. He was stunned as he stood on solid ground again and watched Gumshoe slowly walk back to his post somewhere on the bridge. You never helped with the investigation that day. You didn't save either of them. Edgeworth shook his head slowly and began fishing around in his pockets for his car keys. He needed to get out of here. No keys, no car. Never born, remember? Well, then what do you suggest we do? There's a bus stop not that far. Edgeworth sighed and began walking, quiet except for his thoughts. Thought he inherited your logical prowess. Mia said quietly before she began to follow. Apparently not so much. Edgeworth did not excel at catching buses. It only got worse when he realized that he had no money to pay the fare with because of his new non-existence, and Mia gleefully paid it. With what weird ghost money and why she paid for three people, he was not sure. You are certainly enjoying this too much, he said as they sat down. I won't be in a second. Look over there. She said, gesturing discreetly towards the only other figure on the bus. It was a sleeping man in a dirty-looking gray hoodie and track pants. He clearly wasn't dressed for winter, since all he wore on his feet were sandals. His black hair was disheveled, but still retained some of its familiar spikes. No, Edward said, that can't be. Yes, that's him. Phoenix Wright. 
You were the only reason he became a defense attorney. Without you, he continued his ARC degree until I proved that my cousin, his girlfriend, tried to murder him. Then, with no driving force in his life, he just drops out. He and his best friend, Harry Butts was it? Picked up odd jobs together until Butts was accused of murdering his own girlfriend. Without Phoenix, no one took his case and Butts goes to jail and, well, here he is. I feel like that probably would have happened to Larry eventually, Drew said. But when Wright said that I was the reason he became an attorney, I have to admit I didn't really believe it. So none of his clients were found innocent? Not one. Not even Powers. They canceled the Steel Samurai after that. My sister loved that show. Mia turned her head slightly, listening to something Edgeworth couldn't hear, and added, Apparently you do too. <laughs> Edgeworth stared out the window of the bus for a few minutes. The sun was slowly beginning to rise, bathing everything in a haunting red. What happened to you, if I don't exist? Edgeworth finally asked. Well, without you and Phoenix, my sister was found guilty for my murder and sent to jail. The case I meticulously built up against Red White is never discovered after I die. Red White continues to blackmail every defense firm in town. Nothing gets better. It only gets worse. They sat in silence for the rest of their ride, Edgeworth mostly trying to look anywhere but at the sleeping homeless right on the other side of the bus, and Mia looking at nothing else. Edgeworth could think of nothing else to say. He finally spoke up again when they arrived at the prosecutor's office. The day was just beginning, and many were only just arriving. Relieved, he said, this place doesn't look too different. He was distracted from any response of Mia's by the only person exiting the prosecutor's office, a towering man with white hair, pink glasses, and a bright orange suit. Gant is still here, he said after the police chief had passed them. We never stopped him, so that means... He still framed Prosecutor Sky, who's currently in prison. He made the space for someone to take chief prosecutor's position who would make less trouble for him. And who would that be? Or do I have to go see for myself? Bingo! Annoyed but unsurprised, Edgeworth headed for the stairs. From behind him, he heard her muttering something about disguises, and her softly ordering someone to Take off that stupid hat! You look like a mobster! When Mia learned that Edgeworth was dead serious about taking the stairs and not the elevator all the way up to the chief prosecutor's office, You have fun, we'll meet back up. And she promptly disappeared. I'm not an idiot, he said as he began the long trek up the stairs. I know someone else is here helping her that everyone can see but me. I'm sure you know everything about me, including why I don't take elevators. It's very considerate of you to walk all these stairs with me, even if I can't see you or hear you. Only Gumshoe does that for me. No one appeared with him in the stairwell. After a few floors, he simply asked, Why don't you show yourself? He still saw no one. The rest of his climb was silent, save for his footsteps and his thoughts. He stopped directly before the entrance to the final floor. There was still no one when he looked behind him, so he stared at where his hand rested on the door handle. I'm sorry, father, he said. I know that I haven't made you proud, but maybe I have been harder on myself than I deserve. He opened the door quickly and headed right past Mia towards the chief prosecutor's office. He did hear her ask her invisible companion what was with his strange expression, but Edgeworth didn't wait. The chief prosecutor's office still looked just like Lana's, but it was not her who sat behind the desk. Manfred von Karma looked up with surprise as Edgeworth entered the room. You shouldn't be here. Edgeworth thought he had been prepared for this sight, but he was not. He ran from the room and slammed the door shut behind him, and sunk to the ground with his eyes tightly closed. He felt Mia's hand on his shoulder, but she said nothing. All right, finally said shakily. All right, I understand. Without me, there was never any physical evidence to convict him. Three of them, White, Gant, and von Karma. They owned the law in this town without me and right to stop them. When he opened his eyes, he was back on the walkway at the bridge, and Mia was nodding slowly. It's okay, she said as she helped him rise to his feet. It's going to be okay. You're back. Everything's back to the way it should be. I know what I have to do, but it's going to take time. I can't just go back like that. We know, Edgeworth. It's going to take some soul-searching, but you're going to do great things. You already have done great things, Miles, and I'm so proud of you said another voice from behind him. Edgeworth turned around to his father, smiling exactly how he remembered him. Father, thank you, was all he managed to say before Mia and Gregory disappeared. So, Edgeworth is important. It's a wonderful life! Everyone dies without Edgeworth. Hey, I just got out of that shower. What I miss? Nothing. Uh... Sadness. It ended happy? Yeah.
did it? Everyone's undead. Not zombies. <laughs> just undead. Control out undead. Okay, I'll listen to it in post or something. I won't listen to it in post. I killed Kenny. Wait, what? <laughs> what? I killed Kay. She was only ten. Why would you do that? <laughs> I I was bad at stuff like that. Play the next one. Guys, I just realized I read in that one. <laughs> <laughs> what has it ever stopped us? <laughs> what is that? I can't just have gotten when out of this shower. <laughs>
In the middle of the night, she grabbed her favorite Magatama and stole away to the city. Unfortunately, she did not think this through, because no trains go through her area at night. Or most days, really. She's in a very low traffic area. This is why pros to run everywhere. <sighs> well, Maya is more lazy, so she decided to hitchhike. But again, low traffic area, no cars passing by. Thankfully, a single car happened to be in her area and picked her up. Oh, good, good. A strange, kind, blonde man with a very interesting spiral hairstyle was the driver of the car. fuck. He was really nice to her, but couldn't take her all the way to uh, to the city as he was fleeing or something. No, good. She didn't really care. (laughs) To thank him for the ride, she offered him her favorite Magatama, but he refused. He said the only things he would need would be if she would take a bottle of nail polish Not good, not and use good. all of it as soon as possible. Unfortunately, she dropped the bottle as soon as he drove off. Now good. We're Convenient. Good. Uh, continuing on, she came across a broken down weenie cart that was being worked on by the steel samurai and pink princess. As she got closer, she realized it was really Detective Gumshoe and Maggie in costume. She helped them fix up their cart and told them about her quest. Did Gumshoe actually get fired? Like, is this canon that Gumshoe got fired? (laughs) They were so moved by her dedication to help Phoenix that they gave her some weenies, some jam and ninja gloves, and a reindeer to ride to L.A. Do not question my artistic choices. That's also written in the story. God damn it, Jessie. On her way... Where the fuck did she find this reindeer, though? On her way, she was waylaid by a robber girl who was touched by her story. Who the fuck's this robber girl? Do you mean Kay? Uh, Switch her gloves with mittens because she prefers the jam and ninja. And she had steel samurai mittens. Goddamn, it's Kay. Why didn't you just say it's Kay? Kay. And helps her continue on her journey in some fashion or other. Finally, the day after the trial, Maya made it to L.A. to confront Phoenix about the lack of contact and corruption and stuff. She goes to the right anything agency, waters Charlie, because yes, I do remember that I'd mentioned him earlier in the story. That's also written in the story! (laughs) And kicked Phoenix awake. When he awoke... And was punched Wait. from his grape juice and deep slumber. Said he was kicked. She asked him about why he had cut her completely Jesse. out of his life, and he told her his story. He told her of how he'd been tricked into using evidence that he thought was real, how his reputation had been destroyed, and how he was left with nothing but a small child who was in no way whatsoever qualified to take care of. Phoenix is not that that perceptive. How he could not bring himself to face the one person who still had faith in him and tell her what a failure he was. As he told his story, he started to cry, and the piece of mirror in his eye was finally dislodged. Ha! That ties into the original story! What story? What story is this? Maya reassured him that, after all the things they had gone through together, nothing would make her see him as a failure. He is her best friend, and she loves him dearly. She pulled him into a hug, and her tears dislodged the mirror fragment from his heart. That doesn't seem how science works. Yes, it's how science works. Phoenix (laughs) took Maya to his actual place of residence so they could figure out where to go from this point on. They plotted with Edgeworth and came up with the Mason system time travel stuff. Then Edgeworth and Maya marathoned Steel Samurai. The end. And for those of you who didn't get it, that was a not-so-subtle reference to Phoenix living in Edward's apartment slash wine cellar. Damn it, Jesse! Jesse, Jesse, what fucking story were you reading? The Snow Queen. Wasn't it obvious? Yeah. Jesse. It, it was as close to Snow Queen as Frozen was. You're I mean, so no. fucking glad we're back on this show. <laughs> so. I'm out of stories. That was god-awful. <laughs> that was beautiful. God damn, Jesse, I don't even know what the fuck that was. I still I haven't, I don't, I don't know what happens in this story still. I've told you like ten times. I saw Frozen and I don't know what happens in that story still. Frozen is as accurate to the story as Tangled is to Rapunzel, <sighs> where no one goes to the desert and has their eyes gouge out and have babies. Oh yeah, babies. Forgot about that. Um, I can think of another one. Okay. Okay. Okay, so, once upon a time, our hero has got PTSD 
So it's probably Edgeworth again. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's a very Edgeworth Christmas. And he threatens a terrorist okay. at Christmas time. And his girlfriend is mad at him. And then everything explodes, so he puts on his pseudo his pseudo flying armor have and he, a girlfriend. And he blows up some helicopters. But um, then Jarvis programs. Michelle, 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 Michelle. I think that's Iron Man. But then Pepper puts on the Michelle, helmet. Michelle, shut the fuck up! You're just reciting the plot of Iron Man three. But there's a message from Tony Edgeworth in the helmet, and Pepper puts on the armor. Pepper is from she Iron is Man, but you're not even trying. You're just reciting the plot of Iron Man three. Last year with Die Hard. No, it, no, it didn't. didn't. I caught it. I, I caught it last time, and I stopped this bullshit. Iron Man Three is my favorite Christmas movie, you guys. It's not a Christmas movie. Avengers. Okay, so we're technically out of stories. This is what I'm getting at. This is all I'm getting. Do we have one more thing, like a, a song or something? Anything? Jingle bells, Larry smells, Black Quill laid an egg, the douche mobile lost the wheel, and Kristoff got away. Oh, that sounds shitty. He didn't get away. What's with you and eggs? Jingle bells, prosecutors smell, defense attorneys all the way, (laughs) spirit channelers are kind of cool, and bracelets are stupid. (laughs) (laughs) Everyone is dead. Uh, Jingle bells. Ryan Faraday smells. Why do you make the most obscure people? <laughs> Faraday smells kind of like a ghost. <laughs> just like Goodman and all the others that Michelle killed in her fanfiction. He's been dead for 15 years. There's nothing we can do. Yay. Uh, jingle bells. Larry sells cheap crap from his cart. Do okay, good. Keep going. Angel has some slightly more quality bento boxes. Jingle <laughs> <laughs> bells, jingle all the way. <laughs> Here we go. I got it. Okay. Jingle bells, jingle bells. Welcome to LA. Japan of is full of shit. Eat your burgers, a pop. <laughs> Is the biggest pile of crap we've ever said. It sounds like we ran the fuck out of anything. I, I, I think this is it, guys. This is it. What if we try a Hanukkah special next time? No. Dreidel, dreidel, dreidel. <laughs> I made you out of play. Dreidel, dreidel, dreidel. Edgeworth is really gay. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I don't think this will work. I don't think this will work. We hope for Hanukkah. <laughs> attorney are there no, no. there's some latinos maybe debatable so, god damn there's no cause of that well if it happens like this year we'll have another thanksgiving a cup thanksgiving a cup yeah thanksgiving was, a, thanksgiving was on thanksgiving this year yeah this past year however it probably won't happen like that probably not. and also we're just done we're just done with holiday specials yeah we can't we're out of ideas we can't do it anymore yeah, this is just, this is just sad. You can't torture me by making me write fanfiction I don't want to write against my will anymore. <laughs> well, yeah, instead of reading other people's fanfic this year, we just read our own. Or this, this episode. What the fuck are you talking about? We read our own fanfiction Sorry. last year, too. Not last year. I meant last episode that what? we what didn't episode? have. Uh, beep, boop, beep, boop. Uh, guys, what episode? Jesse, listen. Hillary Clinton gave us a time machine. <laughs> Yes, you've mentioned this yeah, already. We used it to reinstate the jury system. And then we made an episode to tell everyone we reinstated the jury system. It was no big. Don't worry about it. Don't check the feed. I don't, but... Good. So anyway, <laughs> uh, this has been uh, a very special Christmas in January. A very Edgeworth rightness. <laughs> a very... Happy DL6! So much Edgeworth. <laughs> Merry Happy DL6. Xmas. Happy DL6 Christmas part two, Electro Boogaloo. What? <laughs> <laughs> Christmas part two, Back in Black? Christmas special. Iron Man 3, Phoenix Wright. <laughs> uh, the I first had... Avenger. 
Yeah. I think we're done. Okay, well... We're no Winter Soldier. This has been Object to This, an Ace Attorney fancast, and I hope you are all not no longer listening to this podcast. Hey. Actually, I, I hope you aren't, but at the same time, I hope you do, because I... Because we had this one new microphone, and it sounds so good. So good. So smooth. Um, thank you, Oh, well, Dark Shadow Rage 2, for the use of our theme song. Hey, pal. Um, I detected Kung Fu Remix. Yeah, yes. thanks. Thanks Thanks to everyone who um, who mixes our ending music now, which would be uh, A-Bit Boy or Michelle, depending on which one we use. It's a probably Jenny this time, because we have that one Christmas song. We do. Okay, and also thanks Jenny for that one Christmas song. Uh, I'd like to thank... Everybody who puts up with this bullshit, and everybody who emails us, like Green Pepsi and Alpha Failed and Nolan, and if I kept up with the emails, I would know who else is emailing us. Yeah, all you, all you, all you cool cats, all you cool cats, and all you do like uh, GS Five spoiler people. Uh, you're great, and I don't have a list in front of me, but we've got like two new people, and they emailed, and including that girl who's been listening since the seventh episode, <laughs> and just hasn't emailed us. We love you. And thanks to all the people on Tumblr, because I still do the Tumblr, even though I don't have the time, but I will do it anyway. Yeah, thanks for all the followers on Tumblr, even those people who don't listen to the podcast and follow us. So, I don't know, I'm wasting my breath thinking them. Yeah, we like them too. We like them too. If you know somebody who knows somebody, let them know. Let them know, because, you know, we love you guys, and you can always email us at objecttothispodcast at gmail.com. Or you can always ask on the Tumblr at objecttothis.tumblr.com. And you can message us on our Podomatic, but that's stupid, because guess what, everybody? I'm going to start transitioning us away from Podomatic now in 2014, because that's happening. So look out for further instructions from Michelle for what's happening. But don't panic, because we love you, and we'll still be here. And we'll be on iTunes, where you can rate and review us. Do that. Do that. That's what means the most, besides the emails and the Tumblr follows. Yeah, we actually don't give a shit about iTunes. But <laughs> you should do that because we love you. We love you. We love you. Okay, and I'm gonna say that um, this has been object to this. I'm Stephanie. I'm Michelle. I'm Jesse. I'm sorry. I'm Schmishmel. <laughs> and that was object to this. So why don't you object to that? Santa baby, a fifty-four convertible. I'll wait up for you, dear Santa baby So hurry down the chimney tonight Think of all the fun I've missed Think of all the fellows that I haven't kissed Next year I could be just as good if you check off my Christmas list. Santa baby, I want a lot of nearly that's not a lot. Then an angel all year, Santa baby, so hurry down the chimney Peter rap, Piper rap. pick a pickle pepper. I don't actually know. Do any a rap or something. What do you mean? Yo, Peter Piper, pick a pickle pepper. <laughs> <laughs>